First question that we always ask is what are the areas in your business that you spend the most time on? Right. So we look for a redundant task. We, we go through that process of discovery with our clients to understand, you know, where the pain points are. What are the bottlenecks? What are the things that keep you from being more efficient and from going out and, and focusing on revenue generating tasks or providing better service to your customers? Right. And we always start with that. And what we hear is, oh, I, I do this every day. I do this over and over again. I spend X amount of time, uh, you know, performing this task or this activity uh, this is my process for this. And it's just so redundant. And so those are, you know, some simple questions that you can ask yourself to get a, a firm understanding of what areas you need to focus on in the beginning uh, in order to automate. Hey, everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Patrick Parker, and today we're going to talk about one of the uh, areas of expertise. I like all of them, but this one's always one that's uh, especially near and dear to my heart, which is automation. So if anybody knows anything about the law firm, I love to automate things. I also think that there's a lot of times where automation is terribly and it doesn't fit. So we're going to talk a little bit about when or when to do it, when not to do it, how to, or when it's right, how to do it right, um, and get a lot of that, how to get started. We might also uh, dive in just a little bit to talk a little bit about uh, SaaS companies or software as a service. Also a little bit about uh, customer service and setting things up for success, off the shelf, custom software and everything in, in between. And so it's gonna be a great conversation, excited to have it. And uh, with that much as introduction, welcome on the podcast, Patrick. Patrick. Absolutely, Devin, thanks for having me. Uh, great to be here and, and excited to have a, a good conversation about something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. So. One of the biggest things that we do at SaaS Partners is, is help entrepreneurs do more with less. And a big component of that is going to be automation. So as you know, any company that wants to scale, automation has got to be a part of their strategy uh, when they're looking to, to either grow revenues or achieve any kind of varying magnitude of scale. So just kind of want to talk a, a little bit, uh, uh, like you said, about some of the, the pitfalls and, and how people can internalize some of those foundational concepts around the, the what, how, how and the, the why. No, I think that's a definitely great area. Now, I'll, I'll dive right into the topic at, at hand because I think that automation has a lot of great things about it. And it also can have, it, gets, it can get a bad name in the sense that I think a lot of times people think of when they think of automation, they think of maybe one of three things. One is when they go to the store and they have to use a checkout stand and it's a self-checkout and nobody ever has a good, or most of the time it seems like it's breaking or doesn't work. The second thing that they think about is when I have to call customer service and I have to dial the robot that answers, I have to dial 20 different people. I get to the, or one person, I finally talk to them. They tell me it's the wrong one. They transfer me five more times and then I get hung up on it and start the process all over again. Or the third one is that they go and uh, go onto a website and there's a chat bot there and they tr trying to get in contact with the real person and the chat bot just keeps asking them is, is, is ask or answer their question. All of which are horrible customer experiences and nobody likes to do. So my guess I'll, I'll, with that as much as a setup is that's not what we're talking about as far as automation. So when you're thinking about automation, I know it's a broad question, 
kind of what should you be considering? How should you, should you get started? What are the businesses that you might consider that are a good fit? And how do you even start to approach and think, should I automate at least part of my business? Yeah, hundred percent. I think kind of along those lines, let's, let's start with what the challenges are. Right. So I think there's a, a, a misunderstanding about what it is, where to start, how to approach it. Right. So you just rattled off a bunch of the, the examples of, of, bad automation, right? Things that, that uh, were not executed properly and, and issues that customers have run into as a result, right? Mm-hmm. So, so how should you start? Uh, and I think the, the biggest thing with that is really understanding and, and looking at the processes, right? Going through a, a discovery and, and identification uh, process where you are looking to see what processes you can actually automate, right? So it, it's, the same thing. If you if you put in uh, bad data or bad inputs, you're going to get bad outcomes. So you've got to make sure that the process that you're looking to automate isn't flawed in the first place. And the best way to do it is to execute it well manually. So I think that's that's the biggest challenge. The second one would be uh, not testing those automated processes right end to end. So a lot of people have a tendency to set up automation on all these these various platforms. Uh, and then they never really test it. They never go through it as a customer. They never understand the experience, which is why when you <clears throat> call up customer service and you get that robot and you get bounced around 15 times, you're just not doing that through the lens of the, the customer and understanding uh, what that that experience uh, looks like. And then I, I think- uh, Let me ask, thing, maybe just yeah. d- dive in and I know I'm interrupting and I'll definitely no, you're good. back. But one of the or issues, and I said, we do a I self-proclaimed, I don't know, self-proclaimed sounds like it's better, it's more, it's more, it's cooler than it is. But one of the things we do is we do a lot of automations and the issue we always find and I have some answers, but is when you're doing automations, it's hard to one, and that's the same even with software in general, test for all the fringe cases. In other words, there's a lot of times where you have edge cases, fringe cases that you think, oh, these will never pop up or they're not a big deal or we'll worry about them later. And then lo and behold, you launch it. And then the first week you have one of those edge cases that you never thought would come up is the one that is, and then it doesn't have the perfect experience, right? In other words, you're getting some a customer that engages with it. To them, they're saying this should just work and why is it not working? And you're saying, well, hey, it works most of the time. You're the one customer that it doesn't work well for and they don't want to hear that. And so with that, you know, and I, I know it's a compound question. The other one that I always find is, is that you, if you try and test so long that you're catching every single possibility, it's going to take you a year or two to get the automation up and going. And you're saying, we don't want to wait that long to get this in because it will help our benefit our business to offload some of the workload and it will you know, be a better experience and you know, lay out the reasons. And so how do you balance that where you're not testing or you're not testing so minimally that you're having all these issues and holes in the thing and yet you're not testing so long that it takes you forever to launch. Does that make sense? hundred percent. And so I think the answer to that question is, is pretty straightforward. It's understanding what can be handled when automating processes and then understanding what to do when you do run into those fringe cases, right? So what we, what we promote uh, with most of our clients is as soon as you hit one of those, those cases that cannot be handled, uh, create a ticket, open it up, pass it along to the right people. That's, the point in time where you need an actual human intervention, right? You need someone to pick up the, the ball and run with it, so to speak, uh, and to make sure that that, that customer is, is helped uh, throughout the rest of the process. So I think that's, that's the big thing that, that a lot of people miss. And, and you can literally build that into those, those workflows with the understanding that, hey, I'm not going to be able to catch every single fringe case. Just as you said, it can be time consuming up front, but the, the front-loaded effort 
uh, is all for the back end result, right? Of, of reducing the amount of time that you're spending and hopefully improving the efficiency of the actual process itself so that you can continue to, to grow and scale and, and focus your attention elsewhere. So that, that kind of also goes back to, to the third point that I was going to make earlier is you've got to understand what to avoid automating too, right? So it's the same thing. It's, it's where you have those opportunities for natural human interactions. You don't want to completely remove uh, the, the human uh, or the, the humanity aspect of it to where you have uh, no opportunities to actually connect and build a meaningful relationship with your customers. No yeah. opportunity to receive kind of authentic, you know, real off the cuff uh, feedback, right? So I see a lot of people will do that. And the other thing I see, especially in sales agencies um, or in sales teams is they will automate processes that could have otherwise been used to upsell, cross sell uh, and cross promote other products that they have. So they're actually, they're actually losing opportunities to engage with the customer, understand their needs and then continue selling uh, into that, that customer's organization, uh, et cetera. So again, it's, it's not just, uh, uh, something that you can kind of blanket the organization with. You've got to really understand, you know, that the how, what, and why. So. No, I think that that's, I absolutely agree. And that's kind of one of the things of a, a bit through trial and error we figured, found out, but the, our intent was always almost the opposite of what it sounds like. And since people often think, Hey, well, if it's automated, it, it makes it so you don't have to do the customer service or makes it so you don't have to interact with the client. I think that a lot of times the best systems are just the opposite, where it's freeing you up to have better customer service or better interactions or, or better discussions with the client because you're not having to do a lot of the, what I'd say mundane or redundant things that don't need to be done or have a person on pass, but because you don't have it automated, now you're having to spend time over here and you don't have time to interact with the client as much. So I definitely think that there are areas that can make it improve, but you have to do it. Um, you have to do it correctly and have it thought through. So, so let's say, okay, we've got someone that's listening and say, okay, I think I need to do automation. I need to, it will help and improve my business. It'll be worthwhile. And I want, I, you sold me and I want to dive in and get going. You started to touch on it, but what are the ways, you know, how do you get, let's say you decided that it makes sense, but you don't know where to get started. You know, do you start going out and buy or hiring, hiring a specialist that does it for you? Should you look into off the shelf software, hire someone internally, try and do, or, you know, pay someone to set it up for you? How do you kind of go about diving in? If you say, no, I think we need, or we've decided we need automation, but I have no experience with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's a lot of tools out there that obviously people can kind of jump on and, and learn how to use relatively quick and easy. Um, but again, it, it goes back to why you have people on your podcast, right? You want to hear different perspectives and, and get a, a foundational understanding of, of those different areas of expertise. Uh, so you contract those people out or you reach out to those people and have them on your show to share their experience. So it's the same thing. If you don't know something, I always recommend outsourcing it. Um, hiring internally, again, there's a, a whole lot of challenges. The same thing, if you don't, you don't know what you don't know. So it's not easy to hire people uh, for a skill set that you have no exposure experience to, right? So instead, uh, there's a ton of firms out there that would do it, uh, ours included. But it's one of those things where contract someone that is an expert in the field uh, and then start with the low-hanging fruit. So the things that, that we always push up front are CRM integrations, uh, how to manage those relationships with your customers, how to make sure that you're capturing lead uh, leads and nurturing those people, and then moving through into those other processes 
that you can get a huge ROI uh, with a relatively uh, little expense. So, you know, again, a million products out there to choose from. The, the one that, that uh, I love probably the most, well, outside of, of HubSpot, uh, which we pretty much run all of our businesses on, is uh, Calendly, right? I remember when Calendly came on the scene, <clears throat> it was something that was so simple. Uh, and a lot of people don't even look at it as automation, right? But it, it is scheduling automation. It's one of those things where we've all sent those emails back and forth saying, hey, what date and time works good for you? And then you respond mm -hmm. back with what, right? Uh, well, here's the date. And then I say, oh, that doesn't work for me. Uh, what about this? You know, it took all the guesswork out of it. So something that simple is just a great example of, of, kind of fundamental automation uh, and some of the problems that it, it can solve uh, with relatively little effort. No, and I think that, you know, it, it is one of those. And I, I, I run my life by calendar invites and, you know, probably drive some people nuts or some people I know, but I usually say, hey, if you want to grab time on my schedule, the easiest way, just go to this, you know, this URL, my whole schedule's up there. It shows all my availability because I, I detest having to go back and forth multiple times and say, well, this is time, especially if you have multiple people. And it's like, okay, I'm working with a client. They have three people on there and they all want to be on the call. And I'd say, you know what? Here's my calendar. You guys figure out what time works for you. I don't care. As long as it's available, it's open on my calendar, grab that time. But it makes it so much more easy to not have to go back and forth. And I know some people like to be able to just call up people and say, let or go back and forth with the email and it just wastes so much time. So you're preaching, preaching the choir of even getting 100%. that low hanging fruit. Now, circling back to one of the other things you said is I think that one of the points, I, I don't think it's or just a specific automation or to the to that type of service, but if you don't know where to get started, you don't know what you're looking for. In other words, you don't know who to hire or if they're going to do a good job or if they're doing a terrible because you don't have any experience, right? So yep. a lot of times if you're a startup and you're doing an area of experience, hey, I've done, I have experience on this. I'm just looking to hire someone on or offload things. Great. I know if they're doing a good job or they're not doing a good job. But if I'm saying, hey, I'm in a business where we really haven't done automation, but we're getting to the point that it looks like we should get into it. Sure. How do you start to gauge if you, I, you know, if, if you're talking to someone that knows what there is, they're going to help you to walk you through that process, as opposed to someone that's just going to take your money, set up, you know, set you up a, or charge you a thousand dollars to set up a calendarly account for you and say, we've done a great job for you. You know, kind of what are some of those metrics or how do you gauge that? Yeah. And how to avoid, how to avoid getting scammed almost, right? I mean, the, the biggest thing is, you want to, uh, you don't know what you don't know. Like I always say, it's one of those things when you, when you start talking to uh, a company that either specializes in automation or say you're just talking to uh, your marketing agency and you say, hey, I need a better way of, of tracking these leads. I need a better way of, of, you know, adding some automation into my business to provide better support to my customers, whatever those things are. Um, most agencies are going to have uh, a foundational understanding of how to do those. That does not mean that they have expertise or specialize in it. But again, they, they usually operate with tools that, that uh, enable you to at least uh, gain some exposure up front, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think the, the right questions <clears throat> to ask um, are, does this save me time, right? In terms of the processes that you're looking at automating, does the experience suffer, right, uh, for the customer? Because again, you don't want to offer a, a suboptimal, you know, uh, a service or experience just because you're automating something, right? It should enhance. That's that's the biggest thing, right? Automation should enhance the customer experience uh, and and reduce the the communication time, the turnaround time, the processing time, etc. So, <clears throat> does it save me time? Uh, does it enhance the experience of the customer? 
And then what are the, the outputs uh, or the, the outcomes that I can expect to receive from it? Right. Hmm. And so if, if the answers to those three questions are not what you're looking for, then you need to run. The next thing that you're, you're looking for is uh, around those, those same questions, uh, can those be accomplished and can they be accomplished affordably, right? Because there's all kinds of different automation. Obviously, we know it's extremely broad. It touches virtually every industry, um, but it's still relatively expensive just because of the multitude of tools. So usually you're paying for licenses plus time uh, in terms of, of time of the agency or the, the partner that is actually doing the integration. So just understanding uh, where those costs come from. And again, as long as the agency is transparent, where they're spending the time, um, you know, you should be in good shape. No, and I think that uh, that is definitely some good takeaways. Now I'm going to ask one or maybe follow up question, which is, you know, the hard thing with something that you don't know a lot about is you don't know how much it should cost you. In other words, you know, it's kind of like another area that's related to software development yeah. in general. And it's, you know, I worked with software developers and one of the first on their side, they're saying, well, it depends on the scope, depends on how much you want to do, depends on if you will keep adding more features, it depends on how quickly you want it, all valid questions. And yet the other end, you're saying, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I need to do. I don't know how, what, you know, what scope that is. And so it's that kind of that, tug, you know, push and pull type of a thing, because it, um, you know, you don't know, and they don't know different things, which would be helpful to make the decision. So sure. How do you even start to understand, are they, it, uh, let me back up. And that asks, exacerbates it with, because nobody knows, they're going to, you don't know if they're giving you a great quote and it's an awesome deal, or they're way overcharging you. And because you don't know what they're doing and it's, it's kind of something that you're not as familiar with. So how do you gauge if you're, it's a relatively reasonable price or it's a good deal or it's a terrible deal? I mean, education, 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 right? Try to educate yourself. Obviously, there's so many resources in the information age, you can literally Google it. So you can compare competitors very quickly. <clears throat> Even when, when comparing quotes, shop around. But I, I think the, the biggest thing is you want a partner that's going to educate you to some extent in terms of what the possibilities are, what the potential results can be, and then also guide you through that, that kind of pricing model, right? So again, the, the best firms are always the most transparent firms. You know what you're getting. You know what the expectations are because you're, those are being set early on in the engagement. And they're, they're actually teaching you something <clears throat> that you can walk away with at the end of the day that's going to help improve your knowledge and help you to hopefully better gauge uh, whether or not the results or the performance uh, that they're delivering is adequate. No, and I, and I think that definitely makes sense. Now, I'll ask one more kind of question just because it comes up and I've, I've, I've looked at it and had others have looked at it or had the question as well, which is the knee-jerk reaction when something is that you don't know what if it's a good deal or a bad deal is you, you go out and you talk with, you know, four, three or four or five people or different firms and you get their quotes, you kind of get their thing and they say, okay, which one's the least expensive? And then you go with the one that's the least expensive because you're saying, well, they're probably all about the same. You know, they probably all accomplish the same. Is there a difference in the level of, and I, I, I'm guessing I already know the answer, but the level of service, which is probably yes, but how do you know if you're, if the person that, I understand getting education, but the person that you're going with is providing you the better level of services worth the, worth the, worth paying more for. 100%. And, and, you know, that that's kind of the hardest piece to, to know, right? And, you know, 
what I say there is, is you kind of look at the, the mean or the median, right? So if you're talking three or four quotes, you got one that's, that's outrageously high, one that's outrageously low, and then one that's in the middle, you know, it's, it's pretty safe to say that the, the ones in the middle or the high side are better, but those people usually have a better grasp for more expertise. Um, but again, it, it's, uh, it's, it's all education. So it's all going to come back to that. You know, mm -hmm. anything, you, you look at the same thing, right? If you're going to buy a car, right? And you can buy a, a Honda or you can buy a, a Lamborghini, for example. One of them is, is made much better. One of them is more expensive. Um, you know, you decide which one. But again, it, it goes back to education and understanding the, the kind of intrinsic value of those different products and why they're priced the way that they are. So the first thing you've always got to do is educate yourself uh, around that process, right? Around automation, around uh, pricing. Talk to as many people as you can. There's a million different resources that you can you can. Uh, look to kind of seek out that knowledge. And then as you've, as you've come to understand the, you know, what you can expect to pay, what's a reasonable, uh, then you'll be better armed to make that decision. So now, and you teed it up right for the next question I was going to ask, which is, I understand there's a lot of resources out there. You can certainly Google it. Google sometimes is hard because you don't, it's, you know, it, it provides, it, it's sometimes the people that are best at uh, SEO optimizing as opposed to good research. So what are some resources or places that people can get started as opposed, whether it's learning, you know, hey, I can, maybe I can implement some of these tools initially on my own, see if it's, a, if we are comfortable with it and then go to an expert, or I can come up to speed mm -hmm. and say, what is, or what are some good experts, but what are some resources that people can start to look into? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a ton of great ones out there. Uh, YouTube is a great uh, resource for it. Obviously, looking up how-tos around uh, product-specific automation. Uh, we also are, are getting ready to launch uh, a very big how-to section on our blog at sasspartners.io uh, that you can check out as well to understand uh, automation across a number of different functional areas, uh, everything from marketing to sales to operations to, you know, you name it. Uh, so that'll be a great, great resource for you to check out as well. All right. I think that's the great, uh, great places to start. So maybe one more question before I wrap up with my, my normal last question. Um, so two questions, but um, with that, so let's say, okay, we've gone through a lot, you know, as far as, and people are bought in, okay, I've got, I need to go get some education, check, I'll go do that. I need to, you know, automate my business. I think it's the right, you know, it's the right fit. I've got a bit of an idea of how to get started. Now, one of the other questions we talked about, and it kind of goes into off the shelf or custom software, and I'll even go back a little bit before that is, you know, are there free tools out there? Are there off the shelf tools out there that you can get started with? Should you, when should you consider, you know, as far as what type of software, what type of service you should get going as far as off the shelf, custom, free, paid for, any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And again, we, we always push people to go the free versions, right? It, it, it's part of that learning process to understand what's possible within a tool. Some people look at that stuff, they download a free trial, and they look at it, and they go, what the heck is this, right? They have no clue where to start. Uh, and again, some of that stuff comes back to, to flaws in their own platforms. But a lot of great resources, uh, especially in the beginning, if you look at, for example, uh, HubSpot, HubSpot's got a free trial for just about everything from a, a marketing tech perspective right? You can go there. You can go to uh, Calendly. Calendly's got a free version for scheduling. So you can, can get a, a, you know, a, a big return for free just by taking the time to actually understand what those tools uh, can accomplish for you and how they can help you save 
time and, and energy uh, before even reaching out to uh, an agency to actually help you implement uh, solutions within your business. So ton of free tools, all kinds have uh, free trials. It's just a matter of, of understanding what it is that you're trying to automate or, or what functional areas of your business that you're trying to automate and then moving through and progressing from there. No, I think that I think that I'm I'm always a big believer of you know the free tools may not get you to where you want or you, but it also helps you to learn and discover hey this is this is what we need and sometimes you get the free tools and all we really need is a scheduler and if so then that's great now you have a scheduler that's built in and you can use a free tool and why pay for something that's free and on the other hand you may say no we really need something that's five steps beyond the scheduler and so the scheduler is a great start and you learn you start to learn and to come up to speed and get that educational aspect that uh, you definitely Absolutely. hit on. And I think the other big thing is that you, you can very quickly start seeing some of the benefits, right? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, again, you get Calendly, you skip that back and forth. It's so easy. You turn into to HubSpot and you get email marketing with that. And, and it's so easy, right? Some of that stuff so effortless. And it's like, okay, what else? And then I think that's where, you know, it can get a little dicey because then people get the, the automation fever, right? They get the ish and it's like, all right, what can I do next? What can I do next without really understanding? So, Hopefully, uh, you know, that's where the education and research can come in and, and they understand what they should and should not uh, look to automate. No, and I'm, I'm right there with it. And I probably get the automation fever a bit. Now, we, we figured out and a lot of times we take it stepwise and sometimes we, we talk it through and say, well, that would be a great thing to automate. But the return on it's just not going to be worthwhile. It's going to take too long. It's going to take more time than it's worth. But that also has come along with we've done enough of it. We've got the education. We've got a reasonable amount of experience to understand what that what what that would entail and whether or not it's worthwhile to implement. So we could talk. You know, it's a, an area, and we didn't even get through all the rest of the things we could talk about. But as you can tell, I love automation. I think it's a great yeah. area if done right and if done uh, with uh, with a lot of thought and uh, effort put into it. I think it can definitely help businesses to scale. You know, one of the things I thought was interesting is law firms are notoriously hard to scale. Most people say the only way you scale a law firm is that you hire more people and you keep hiring more people and you keep hiring more people. And there, you know, you still have to at some point uh, along the way milestones you have to hire more people. But most of the time, law firms never look at automation. They don't look at how they can otherwise scale and make their, their law firm have a lot or a lot more accessible and do a lot of things without just having to keep growing and growing and growing with more people and adding more people to the problem. So I think there's a lot of areas like, that are like that that people should be considering. But with that, let's uh, go ahead and jump to the question I always ask at the end of each episode, which is we talked about a lot of different areas of automa automation, a lot of different things you could do, when you should get started, how you can identify people and everything else in between. Now, the question I, I have is, you know, that's going to be overwhelming. If I was starting here and I had, had done nothing with automation before and I'm just looking to get started, a lot of things I should get started on. Well, if you were to talk to that person that's just looking to get started, maybe they're a startup or a small business, what would be the one thing that they should or, or could get started on today? Yeah, the first question that we always ask is, what are the areas in your business that you spend the most time on? Right. So we look for a redundant task. We, we go through that process of discovery with our clients to understand you know, where the pain points are, what are the bottlenecks? What are the things that keep you from being more efficient and from going out and, and focusing on revenue generating tasks or providing better service to your customers, right? And we always start with that. And what we hear is, oh, I, I do this every day. I do this over and over again. I spend X amount of time, uh, you know, performing this task or this activity. Uh, this is my process for this. And it's just so redundant. And so those are 
you know, some simple questions that you can ask yourself to get a, a firm understanding of what areas you need to focus on in the beginning uh, in order to automate. Because people hate doing things over and over again, right? They, they want to do something new. They want to feel challenged. And so when you can identify what those areas are through discovery, uh, then you can start to look to automate those. And so that'd be my advice for, for anyone out there that's, that's trying to understand uh, how can I do more with less? Mm. Understand that, that you've got processes that you can automate uh, in different functional areas and just go to work. No, it sounds like a, a great uh, place to get started. In other words, identify what are the areas that you could automate or should automate or what might be the opportunities. And then you can, from that point, start to, to look at what, you know, how you might go about doing that. So, sure. well, with that, as, uh, as we wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, if they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, or find out more? Love best friends, man. Always got enough of them. Uh, you can uh, check us out at, at saspartners.io. And uh, if you are in search of automation, trying to figure out how you get from point A to B, how you scare your business uh, and generate more revenues, uh, go ahead and book a discovery call with us and we'll be happy to get with you and help walk through that discovery and process identification process with you. Well, awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to, to reach out. I think it's a, a great way for a lot of businesses to, one, get rid of the monotonous uh, product or items that nobody wants to do, but uh, somebody always gets saddled with that or that item, but also more important, it drives value into your business and allows you to scale. So definitely encourage everybody to reach out and find out more. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, Absolutely. it's been a pleasure. And uh, for all of you that are listeners out there, um, couple things make sure to like subscribe and otherwise share uh, leave us a review and share the podcast because we want to make sure that everybody finds out about all these outputs are awesome episodes and uh, learns more about air, different areas of expertise uh, with that um, if you ever need help with uh, your patents trademarks or anything else we're always here to help so you can just go to strategymeeting.com grab some time with us to chat and uh, we'll make sure to get you taken care of well thank you again patrick for coming on and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last Awesome. Thanks for having me, Devin. It's been great.